Good morning and welcome back to Margin. This morning we're going to talk about the industry of transportation. So let's jump right into it. Welcome to the Millennial Margin Podcast. I created this personal finance resource out of necessity as I've watched countless people schedule away, mortgage up, and max out their lives. Margin is simply the antithesis, providing leeway in an increasingly marginless culture. If you want to build margin into your personal finances on a daily basis, this is the podcast for you. So in America, we have carried forward the notion that the vehicle is part of the American dream. So we think about that single family home. We think about that white picket fence. And we also think about our two to three car garages that should probably be filled with some kind of vehicle. Now, along with that comes the independence of of being able to have a vehicle and be able to freely drive wherever you want. And so as we have had this as being uh, a, a... a staple in the country uh, for for some time, uh, there's a shift that I wanted to talk to you about today. So we're going to look at this deeper based on three components, the consumer, the uh, industry, as well as the economy and how it affects the economy. So although we have not strayed too far from the ideology of the American dream and the desire to fulfill the American dream, uh, what is interesting is the fact that the actual behaviors of this generation have been changing. And and so I wanted to jump into the consumer components of of driver's license, the behaviors behind uh, what is changing in that front, as well as the buying behaviors of uh, this generation. And so with that, when we are looking at younger uh, Americans shifting away uh, from their independence being tied to a driver's license, we've found that between uh, the years of 1983 and 2018, there has been a 50% drop in those who are getting their license at the age of 16. Now, if you look at those who are 18 years old, there was a 20% drop. And now, of course, that's a few years ago, so it may have increased even further, especially uh, with the events of the last year. Uh, But with that, you're seeing a shift of of people getting their licenses later. And, uh, And I believe that part of this comes down to the fact that there are a lot of other options other than getting your license and purchasing a car. There's other ways to express independence. So a Bloomberg article continues to further explain this data by saying that more generally, young Americans have been going through the rights of adulthood, finishing school, getting a job, moving out on one's own, getting married, having kids at later and later ages. Now with this, it's no surprise and it's no secret that buying a vehicle can be a huge financial undertaking. Now, you're not only just getting that driver's license, you have insurance, you have gas, you have maintenance, you may have the car payment associated to the vehicle, amongst other aspects. And so I believe that many people are looking at this from that standpoint and seeing, okay, well, is the cost benefit actually worth it? Is it something that I can be a little bit more inconvenienced by other programs that have upset the cab industry and uh, and have provided a 
additional transportation options and utilize that instead of having a vehicle of my own. So in this series, I want to discuss an alternative approach to simply buying a vehicle to drive it into the ground or buying a vehicle to simply replace it every two years and take the hit of that depreciation and that negative equity. So I wanna look at how a vehicle could actually be something that can make sense within your plan to spend. They actually can make sense over uh, other options that may be more costly like that. So being that costs are a very real concern when it comes to operating a vehicle, I found an article that, uh, that was by JD Power and within that article, it stated that the average transaction prices are expected to reach $37,286 just below the all-time record transaction price set in December 2020. Now, they believe that this is fueled by tight new vehicle inventories, have led to rising values for used vehicles, which translates to higher trade-in values for consumers. Those higher trade-in values, along with low interest rates, mean that the average monthly finance payment in March 2021 increased by only $5 to $595. So let me reiterate this. The average car payment increased to $595 this year. So when you're looking at a $600 car payment and you're looking at the cost of new vehicles rising, your cost of transportation uh, costs related to fuel and insurance uh, you know, being factored into that, it's no shock that uh, people are getting a little bit of sticker shock from this. Now, Credit Karma uh, created basically a chart uh, with uh, Experian, and based on that chart, uh, they basically communicated that the average car payment over the last five years has increased by 20%. Now, when you're looking at interest rates dropping, car prices increasing, that means people are on average, you know, uh, financing larger amounts uh, at lower interest rates, but the vehicle price is still increasing. So therefore the car payments are steadily increasing as well. So the second component I wanna talk through has to do with the industry. Now the National Automotive Dealers Association, otherwise known as NADA, came out with a report uh, that, that basically showed uh, the market share based on the actual the actual segments, you know, within the market. And so one of the segments has to do with the crossover segment. The crossover segment has been just absolutely, you know, blowing up over the last few years uh, because of the desire for most drivers to have a little bit more space than a sedan could provide. And so with that, the market share of that segment has skyrocketed to 45.3%. Now this has been pummeling the sedan market in that segment. Uh, but along with that, what is important to, to look at is the fact that, as I mentioned with a consumer cost, you know, average cost per uh, per transaction increasing, the average car payment related to that transaction increasing. Now people are purchasing crossovers. They're purchasing SUVs of some kind. And typically an SUV will have, uh, will have 
less efficiency overall uh, than something like a sedan. So what people aren't realizing is that these crossovers typically take more fuel. Um, oftentimes they can actually be uh, more expensive to maintain depending on the engine uh, due to uh, the number of quarts of oil they require or you know other services accordingly as well as uh, you know, tires and so on and so forth. So you may have other components that need to be factored in uh, as you transition to something like a crossover. And I believe that as we're looking at, you know, crossovers pushing almost half the market share of all segments, uh, that these components may not be actually factored in. So even with the shift in these segments, uh, Statista shows a steady increase in cars on the road in the United States over the last 30 years. So people are waiting longer to get their driver's license, but they are getting their license at some point. And as the population is increasing and as people's longevity is increasing, uh, we are seeing a, a, a number that's surpassing 1.2 billion vehicles on the road. Now, the third component I want to talk about has to do with the economy, how the auto industry actually affects the economy. Now, this is a high level approach of each of these three categories, but some interesting components that stuck out to me directly uh, for uh, these aspects and how they feed into the transportation industry. So what I found was uh, the national gross domestic product or GDP uh, is, is made up of all kinds of different industries feeding into it, one of which is the American auto industry. So the American auto industry, depending on the source that you look at, takes up or makes up about 3% of GDP. So when you're looking at it, it may not sound like it's very large, but when you're looking at 3% of GDP, uh, it's, a, it's a large number for that sector. So I mentioned the resource NADA before, and NADA uh, published a one-pager over the last year that basically broke down the, the actual impact that dealerships have on the uh, U.S. economy. And so what they found was that dealers uh, attributed uh, $980 billion dollars, almost a trillion dollars in sales. And, and, and from that, it employed 2.2 million people in the workforce. And so when you're looking at the impact of dealers in America and, and ultimately Americans, uh, uh, addiction to vehicles. So this shows that people still want their independence. They want to be able to purchase vehicles. And it is proving that this industry is seemingly going nowhere. It is not, it is not disappearing overnight. So even though we have fewer people who are getting their license immediately, uh, our population is still growing and therefore the, the need for more vehicles is also growing. So based on the demand continuing to grow and the population both increasing as well as ha experiencing longevity, uh, I found another article that I found to be interesting and it was by goodcarbadcar.net that derived information from the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. And so what it found was that 2020 was the worst year for car sales since 2008. Now, of course, there was so much unknown uh, you know, aspects over the last year that we've all been facing, uh, so much uncertainty. So it makes a lot 
lot of sense why this would drop off. Um, but then we saw this hockey, you know, this hockey stick uh, approach uh, towards the end of the year where demand just skyrocketed. And, uh, and so as we saw that, we saw that, uh, that reversing trend leading into 2021. So whether you look at this from a consumer standpoint, whether you're looking at the industry or you're looking at the impact on the economy, you should be looking at it from a standpoint of what has your relationship been with transportation historically and looking at it from a standpoint of have you had a healthy relationship with transportation? Have you uh, continually bought vehicles that you couldn't afford, adding on uh, negative equity from prior vehicles and continued to push that monthly uh, payment out and up? Uh, or have you been conservative in your approach to taking on debt, to taking on uh, expenses related to a depreciating asset? And so I would just encourage you today, my call to action today would be to really think through that, really think through whether that relationship has been healthy and what really needs to change relating to it. Thank you for your time. Enjoy your day. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. If this information is helpful to you, please do follow, visit millenniummargin.com or connect with me on Margin's social platforms.